0: Welcome to the first Apostolic Church podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Good to see Noah with us this morning. Amen. I ask the Lord. So good to see Him. Amen. Today. We're going to go to Galatians 4. Do not forget things that are going on here next month, uh, September, uh, concerning ladies, uh, conference, men's conference, wedding. All right, and so on and so forth. So birthdays, anniversaries, (laughs) all those things, amen, coming up in the month of September. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter number four. I want to begin with verse uh, number eight. I'll admit to you today that I really was going to kind of pull from Galatians chapter number three, and I was going to talk to how we minister off times through our suffering. Uh, but in the process of starting that, steered a whole nother direction. And this uh, is by no means—I want to preface this—but this is by no means is a result of everybody that's not here today, because I knew the people that are not here wasn't going to be here uh, with trips and vacations and so on and so forth. Uh, This is just just something that we need to go back to and look at time. And again, I want to talk to us this morning about faithfulness. I want to talk to us this morning about faithfulness. Amen. Galatians chapter number 4, verse number 8. The Apostle Paul says, How be it then, when ye knew not God... Ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage. He says, ye observe days and months and times and years. He says, I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Amen. And so the Apostle Paul, in reality, is urging the church of Galatia. He's urging them back, if they will, back to a place of faithfulness. Amen. And so that's what I want to talk to talk about this morning, rather, is faithfulness today. Hallelujah. If we bow our heads just one more time to ask the Lord's help in this place today. Father, I come to you. Lord, I'm so thankful, Lord, for your mercy. I'm thankful, God, for your grace. I pray, O Lord, that you're able to help us here this morning. God, in this place, Lord, you're able to give us, Lord, direction. You're able to give us hope. We know, Lord Jesus, in these words are the words of life. God, and we want them, Lord Jesus, to find, God, a place, Lord, of security in our own lives. We'll not fail to thank you. We'll not fail to praise you. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. The church, say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. Again, I take this today. Uh, As a text, this was not uh, my intention, but as I got into it, it kind of steered the direction of faithfulness. And again, this has nothing to do with the people that are not here. Amen. I already had all the awareness in the world that they were not going to be here. Amen. Today. And so but I do want to talk about faithfulness because the Apostle Paul is calling the people of God, particularly in Galatia here. The book of Galatians is written to those that are in Galatia He is calling the Galatians back to a place of faithfulness because they had been at some period of time in their recent past faithful to the Lord and faithful to the things of the Lord. But now it appears, according to his writing, that they have become faithful to other things, uh, other things that took precedence or priority over their faithfulness uh, to God. As a matter of fact, he even calls them to the faithfulness that they had to certain things before they ever came to know God. He underscores some of the things that they were uh, that they prioritized in their life before they ever came to know the Lord or had an experience with God. And he points out that the things that they were faithful to before they ever come to know God uh, were were even considered God's by the natural world at that time at all. They were not even per se gods at all that they were faithful to whenever they were in the world. And so the Bible says, though, when they didn't know God, when, when they didn't know God, they were service to these other things that were in their environment and in their surroundings. They were faithful, as we might say, to some unimportant things. They were faithful to some menial things. He said they were not even gods at all, those things that they were faithful to. As uh, someone that would come to the Lord, the, the, the one true God that would be faithful to gods of wood or gods of stone, things that were made by the hands of men that they would revere and respect as being uh, do worship and do praise. He said these weren't even gods that they were faithful to. These, these were things that were lesser than the scale of some man-made God that they were faithful to in the past. And so he says here they did exhibit that type of faithfulness before they ever knew God. So that faithfulness isn't so much something that comes about after you come to the Lord. Many times, faithfulness is something that we practice before we ever come to the Lord. It's just what we are faithful to, what the object of our faithfulness is unto. And so he's calling to their memory all these things that they had been faithful to even before they knew the Lord. They did service unto certain things, and he brings them to the present. He says, that's the past. He says, here is the now. He says, but now... He says, but now, after that you have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and the beggarly elements of the world? He says, there's been a change. There's been an alteration. In other words, he says, you know, throughout the Bible, there seems to be a pattern in Scripture. Uh, Throughout the Bible, the pattern seems to be this. God oftentimes calls his people back to a place of remembrance. He wants them to remember their first experience with him, he wants them to remember what life was like without him. He calls their minds back to remembrance. Many times, what life was uh, BC, before Christ. And I'm not talking about a place on the calendar, BC, AD, but I'm talking about a literal before Christ episode in their life. And whenever he calls them back to remembrance of that, he then fast forward to the present and usually relates to them now, consider how life is now. And he wants an individual to toil. And to to wrestle back and forth with how life was without Christ compared to how life was with Christ and hoping that they would continue in their journey with Christ, with the memory of remembering how life was without Christ, that whenever they would do the comparison, they would see that it paled in comparison and that hopefully they would stay on the track with the Lord if they would remember what life was without the Lord. And so this is a common pattern throughout Scripture. The Lord calling a nation back to remember what it was without him or a person back to remember what life was without him. For instance, the Bible says in 1 Peter 2.10, basically that Peter said, he said, in times past, this is a memory, this is him calling them to remembering. He said, in times past, you were not even a people. You were not considered a people. He says, but now. He wants them to think about the present. He said, you are the people of God. He said, but before you came to God, he said, you were not even constructed as a people, not known even as a nation. He says, back then, he said, you did not have or didn't even obtain any mercy back then. He says, but now, because the Lord is in your life, you have obtained mercy. And how many know we have a merciful God today? Amen, a merciful God that endows us with mercy upon mercy. But there was a point in time in our life we we didn't have any mercy until we come to know the Lord. And so that's the pattern, remembering what was and remembering what now is. Uh, There is perhaps no stronger phrase of but now in Scripture than there is when we look at the book of Ephesians how the scriptures relayed and the Paul is talking to the church at Ephesus. He says, if I call you all in Ephesians 2, if I call you to remember what life was before Christ or without God, he said, then you would remember that in times past, that ye were Gentiles in the flesh. You walked after the life of the Gentiles. You were uh, called the uncircumcision because you did not have that mark of circumcision upon your flesh, which denoted you as being the people of God. All the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament. That was the mark of the Israelites, the mark of God's people. He said, before Christ, you didn't have that mark. You were not accounted as his. He even goes to to, to just be as plain to say, you were without Christ. He says, if you'll remember, you were without Christ. He says, you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You you had no heritage there. You had no inheritance there. There was no connection or association there. He said you were a stranger from the covenants of promise, the covenant of Abraham, of of the land, and how you were to be a blessing to all nations. He said you had had no part of that. You had no ownership in that, he said, back in that day. He said for that matter, he even went to this degree. If If you'll remember when, he said that's the day that you didn't have any hope. You didn't have no hope. You didn't have no consolation of life. You didn't have any consolation of your needs being met. He said, you were without God in the world. That's what he plainly said. He said, you were without God in the world. And then he comes to that verse 13, Ephesians 2, that but now, very notable but now moment in Scripture. He said, but now, those of you that were afar off, he said, remember when you were there, those of you that were afar off, he said, you are now made nigh. By the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said everything has changed now. He said you were Gentiles in the flesh. Now you are a Jew so to speak in the flesh. You were without Christ but now you have Christ. You were aliens to the commonwealth of Israel. But now you're familiar with it. You were a stranger to all the covenant promises. Now every promise in the book is yours if you're alone with him. You had no hope now. You know nothing but hope from day to day. From day to day. You was without God but now you have God. Live it inside of you, his spirit. He says, so you that were afar now have been made nigh. And so when the apostle Paul comes to those of Galatia and he begins to talk to them about their past and tries to start to talk to them about their present, the memory of where they were and where they are and God should just inflame and undergird their walk with God, their continuance with God. Amen. But there seemed to be something going on within their lives. It should inflame us. The the, the song that is an old song, old hymnal, Amazing Grace. Anybody know Amazing Grace? You probably still know what what book of the hymnal it's on. But Amazing Grace, John Newton uh, wrote and penned Amazing Grace. John Newton, whenever he was a young man around the age of 11, he got involved with some of the African trade, uh, slave trade, That went on in the world back in the 1700s, and he was involved in that at a very young age. And so his life was steeped into the African slave trade. And one of the times whenever they were on their boat doing the transport, if you will, of individuals, it was a very horrific storm that came up on the sea. And he did in that hour cry out unto the Lord that he might have mercy and grace from the Lord. And the Lord showed him in mercy and grace. And it's from that moment that the words were inspired of the pinning of amazing grace uh, who saved a wretch like me. That's all the words of amazing grace come from that episode. But there was something that John Newton did uh, for his own personal self because he never wanted to forget. He never wanted to forget what God did for him. And it was more than just a pinning of a song. He never wanted to forget what life was like before the Lord. And so he had written, this is historical, but he had written in bold letters across the wall that was over the the, the mantelpiece of his study where he had an office in the study. He wrote the words of Deuteronomy 15 and 15 that states this, And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt. And the Lord thy God redeemed thee. He wanted that to stand out in his mind. And that, that would hold true to a man that transported slaves back and forth. He needed to understand and never forget got that, that, John, whenever I found you, you were a slave just like those that you were transporting. You, 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 you didn't have no, you, you were owned and you didn't own anything. You were the one owned, but you didn't own anything. He says, I don't want you to know whenever I found you, you were a bondman in Egypt. He said, but I, the Lord, I, my, your God hath made thee free. He says, that's what I want you. And so John says, I don't want to forget what God did for me that night, that grace that he showed me. I was a bondman and he made me free. It would be good, amen, somewhere in our lives to put those little indicators uh, in our Bibles, on our refrigerator, wherever they are, to remember who we were before God found us. Who we are, were before he picked us up out of the Maori clay. To remember what he has done in our lives. Right? And so Paul is trying to do that for the Galatians. But the pattern follows a different route here in the book of Galatians. They are called to a place of remembrance. To remember their lives without God. To remember their service to those base things, those cheap, menial things that were not even God's, the scripture says. And then they are called to their present state. Here it comes. He says, that's who you were. That's what you served. You were faithful to those things that weren't any, even God's. He says, but now, he says, but now, here you are. You are giving yourself to again. You're turning again to the weak and the beggarly things of the world someone say amen. So they're called to view their present state. They've been known of God. They have known God. But they've reverted back to their same old stuff. So it's kind of different here. Where the but now is supposed to contrast where they were. Their but now is that they are reverting back to what they once were. Paul says, I want to call. I want to call. I want to somehow stir up your mind. He said that, that you're losing your faithfulness to God. You're losing your faithfulness to God. And this is after you have known Him. You've known Him and He knows you. And yet you are losing out on your faithfulness to God. So these people that, that, that are known of God, or at very least had been known of God, they are now shifting in their allegiance. There's something important about faithfulness to God. And that is faithfulness oftentimes gets the attention of God. Faithfulness gets the attention of God. The Bible says in Matthew 15 and verse 32, this is in the Gospels, that then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude. look at this next phrase, "Because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. But I want to pull your attention to, because they have continued and have nothing to eat, and I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. See, in this instance of Scripture, Matthew 15 verse 32, Jesus had multitude on had compassion on the multitude and he oftentimes had this throughout the word of the Lord, compassion on the multitude. We see this all throughout the gospels. There were different times that he might see people that was hungry and he had compassion on them. Other times he seen people that were sick and diseased. The Bible said that he would have compassion on them. Other times the Bible says some were possessed with unclean spirits. And the scripture describes it as though he had compassion upon them. But in this episode, he's not having compassion upon the multitude because they're diseased or they're possessed with an unclean spirit. He has compassion upon them because they continued with him for three days. So these other places of scripture that we see that the Lord has compassion, he has compassion upon them and their need seems to draw him to them their need of, of needing, needing healing or, or needing deliverance, it draws him to them. But you can read there in Matthew that most of these people's needs have already been addressed in the Scripture up to this point in time. All right, And yet it still describes that he is having compassion upon them because they have continued with him for so long. In other words, he, is, he has compassion upon them because of their faithfulness. Amen. Even the need of, of being with him for three days and then needing food. That all arose because they had continued with him. That all arose because they had been faithful to him. And so there are two type of compassions then really related in scripture. There's a compassion that, that, is, that is need driven. But there is also a compassion that is faithfulness driven. And the Lord says you got my attention and my compassion because you were a faithful people. Amen. And I have compassion on the faithful. Why? Because they are people that's going to stick with me through thick and thin. There are people that's going to stick with me when there is the food supply and when there isn't the food supply. They're the people that's going to stick with me when things are well, when things are not so well. And so our faithfulness gets the attention of God. Our faithfulness gets the attention of God. And so here they are, but now after knowing him, being known of him, They're turning back to their old ways, which are termed as weak and beggarly. Weak and beggarly ways. They're turning from the powerful God, right? The rich, unfathomable riches. They're turning from him to the weak and beggarly elements of the world. Now, that don't make sense, does it? It doesn't make sense to turn to something weak. And turn away from something powerful. Turn towards something that's beggarly and turning away from something that is rich. The God that has unfathomable riches. Matter of fact, I even asked myself the question, how in the world can somebody, how can the faithful do this? How how can they turn away? How can one be faithful to those things that can't help them, the weak and the beggarly? How can they be faithful to that? And yet ignore him who can supply all of their needs according to their riches, his riches rather, in glory. It doesn't make sense. And yet that's exactly what the Galatians were doing. The Bible says, whenever we talk about about the faithfulness of God to us, the faithfulness of God to us, to you and I, is like none other. It's unparalleled when we talk about the faithfulness of the Lord. David had said in Psalms, that the Lord's faithfulness reached unto the clouds. It reached into the clouds and that it was established in the very heavens. If I may today, he says it was, his faithfulness is established in the very heavens. What he wanted people to think about was this. The God that's faithful to us, he says, so that you know that it's in the heavens, it reached to the clouds and it's established in the heavens. He says, think back to the Lord's, the Lord's, Row in creation. Makes the sun, the moon, the stars, everything that we see. David says that all those things abide until this day. You know what that means? God is faithful that he didn't just start a work, but he perpetuated and maintains that work that it still yet abides. He says that's God's faithfulness. He says established in the heavens. You see how all these things have remained since the beginning of time? He said, that's how faithful your God is. That's how faithful it is. It remains. It's constant. It's unmovable. It stays the same. The psalmist said, but his faithfulness is unto all generations. There's not just a certain classification of people. Amen. But it's unto all generations. It's a generational type faithfulness. Isaiah said in Isaiah 11 and 5, he described the faithfulness of God like this. He said, it's as a girdle of his rings, it's as the girdle of his rings now a girdle it's not the modern day thinking of a girdle there was men and women that wore girdles well, there, i guess there is still yet today too but there's men and women uh, that wore girdles in the old testament times and it was basically a bell but not like this type of bell it was talking a, a good broad wide piece of cloth that they would wrap around their torso that was their Girdle and that girdle. What they would do sometimes if they would run or walk and it was they's having difficulty. They most times you hear about gird up your loins, they would take their, their robe and they would take that and they would tuck it inside of their belt. And it allowed them to not be hindered whenever they ran or not be hindered whenever they walked. That girdle also, since it was so wide, it almost acted like a pocket like you would have in a pair of trousers. You could stick things down inside of that girdle uh, for safety and for protection. And so it was quite different than the way that you and I think of a girdle. So they could put all kinds of things in in that garment uh, that belonged to them inside of that girdle and store it there Uh, utilizing them as pockets. Isaiah said the Lord's faithfulness is as the girdle of his reins. Amen. And when you think of reins, you think of, you know, like reins on a horse, that's used to direct, to guide, to control. It's a very powerful thing to have the reins. You can lead a pretty big beast if you got a hold of the reins. It's very powerful. Isaiah said his faithfulness, if you will, gave him power amen, to his reigns of control and that all the items that God amen uh, uh, depended upon uh, it, all of the things that god has depended upon his faithfulness because again that 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 girdle could be like a belt that had all types of different things that belonged to the person in them but they could stay close to the person because of the girdle he says your faithfulness is it's like a girdle of the reins uh, everything else that god is and who he is depends upon his faithfulness because if god wasn't faithful his love wouldn't be anything to you if god wasn't faithful his mercy and his grace wouldn't really be anything to you, but because he's faithful, no, he, faithful, his love is 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 constant. His grace is sure. Amen. His faith is steadfast. And he says, "So the, the, that faithfulness is as a girdle to his reins." Jeremiah then just summed it up. Amen. And lamentations. And if anybody knew about the faithfulness of God, Jeremiah did. He went through a lot trying to preach to people that would not even listen to him. But the Bible says Jeremiah just summed it like this when he talked about the Lord. He said, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. He says, I've been in the dungeon. I've been where people didn't listen to what I had to say when you told me to say it. He says, but through it all. He says, you've been faithful to me, Lord. When people weren't listening, when people were, were not paying any attention, when they were wishing to kill me, when they were wishing to put me in the dungeon, he said, through it all, you have been the utmost faithful God unto me. Can someone say amen? And so Paul is calling them back to this time of faithfulness to God. wants them to remember, God has been often awful faithful to you. For you not to be faithful to God. And you've been awful faithful to other things. For you to say you can't be faithful to God. If you'll remember in the book of Romans. The book of Romans Paul. Takes care of such matters like a lack of faithfulness to God. He basically tells them the book of Romans Romans 6 and 19. He basically tells them. That their dedication and their faithfulness as a a character trait really are no different whether they were in the world or living for the Lord. Faithfulness is faithfulness. The same faithfulness that it takes for a man to be faithful to his wife is the same faithfulness it takes to be faithful to your job. It's the same faithfulness that it takes to be faithful to the Lord. Faithfulness is faithfulness. It's a character trait. It's no different whether it's found in the world or out or in the church. Faithfulness is faithfulness. The only thing that truly changes is what people become faithful to, what the object of their faithfulness is, the object of their dedication is. So that's what Paul calls to mind in the book of Romans, Romans 6 and 19. Look what it says. He says, I speak after the manner of men. Because of the infirmity of your flesh. And he's not talking about a sickness here. He's talking about the weakness, the frailty of their flesh. He said, I'm talking to you after the manner of men because of the weakness and the frailty of your flesh. He said, For as ye have in the past, ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness. He said, You yielded yourself. You were faithful to the things that were unclean or that were of the world. That was in your past. He says, and to iniquity, unto iniquity, you were faithful. You yielded yourself to those things. He says now, even so now, yield. What's he saying? He said, yielding is yielding, whether it's in or out. Whatever context you put it in, yielding is yielding. It's all about what you're yielding to. He says, so even so now, he said, yield your members, servants to righteousness, unto holiness. You know what Paul's saying? Paul's saying, if you accomplished it before yielding yourself, if you accomplished faithfulness before out there, he said you'd accomplish it now inside the context of the church. He says because yielding and faithfulness doesn't change. It's just the object of your faithfulness, the object of what you're yielding to that changes. The dynamics of faithfulness stays the same. The function of faithfulness stays the same. It's just that you're yielding to something different. The object has changed. So whenever you come living your life for the Lord, it should be hard to be faithful to God because we were faithful to the lesser, weak, beggarly elements of the world. Some people were faithful to a bottle of alcohol. Some people were faithful to a needle that they put in their arm and they shot up. They were faithful, if you will, to those things. He says it's not a matter of learning a new type of faithfulness in the church. You just change the object of your faithfulness. Now instead of being faithful to the bottle, you're faithful to God. Now instead of being faithful to the needle you're faithful to the house of God it's just a switching if you will of the object of your faithfulness right. he says you did it then yeah. he says then you should be able to do it now yeah. because faithfulness doesn't change yeah the, 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 same, the same concept is there it does not change we just change again we change the object of our yielding or the object of our faithfulness so really what Paul is getting at, even in Romans, he says, we're not dealing with an inability. I just can't be faithful. No, he says, we are dealing with a desire issue. He said, because you did it before Christ. Huh? You, you were faithful before Christ. He says, but you still need to maintain faithfulness after you come to know the Lord. So he he compares the things that they once yielded to, that they were unprofitable, weak, and beggarly. But now, the things that He's admonished them to yield to, or that they have been at least for some time yielding to, they are profitable. Even to the place that it will lead them to everlasting life, it's profitable. And yet they struggle with yielding to something that's profitable. They'll be more faithful to something that won't benefit them a dying, then being faithful to something that will benefit them in abundance, beyond what their mind can think or ask or even possibly understand. Amen. See, the Galatians had got caught up in the mechanics of their life lived for the Lord. They got caught up in the mechanics of their life lived for the Lord because he tells us in verse number 10 notice what he says he says he says here you are He says, so you want to go back and desire again the thing of bondage? In Verse 9, he says, you observe days and months and times and years. You know what he's telling them? He said, you're all still mindful of special days. We're talking about a culture and time. They had certain festivals at certain times of years. There's Pentecost. There's there's tabernacles. There's there's Passover. You know, there's special days. Uh, There's the Sabbaths, if you will. There's new moons when sacrifices would be made and whenever they would honor certain things. He says, you're still mindful of all these specials days. You're still mindful of all of the feasts and all of the new moons and all of these things. He says "You're, you're, you're mindful of all those. He says but you're failing in being mindful of the Lord. Can you be faithful to the things of God without being faithful to God? The answer is yes. You can be mindful of the mechanics of church life and leave God out of the picture. You can be faithful to church and not be faithful to God. We, 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 can, we can observe all, if you will, the special days and years and times and seasons of church life and not be mindful of the Lord because that's where the Galatians were. They were still looking at all the seasons and all the days and all the new moons and all that. But the, the problem of the matter was they were pulling back on their faithfulness to God. All the mechanics, if you will, all the gears of church life, buddy, they're there. But they missed the primary thing, and that was the Lord. And he is the primary thing. It's kind of like the Martha that's cumbered about with serving the Lord with many things and not being the Mary that sits at his feet to take hold of the good part that can't be taken away from her. I'm doing all this for the Lord. Yeah, but what about just being there with the Lord? Huh? Being, being carried away with all these other things. And so they, they were what they were doing, what the Galatians were guilty of, they were guilty of equating faithfulness to the special days for being faithful to God. That's really what it come down to. Well, I was there at the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, I was there at Passover. I was there at Sabbath. I was there, da-da-da-da, taking all that and saying, well, since I was there at all these special days, doesn't that equal faithfulness to God? Not necessarily. Let me say it like this. Being faithful to all those things doesn't make you faithful to God. But if you are faithful to God, you will be faithful to all those things. Amen. Someone say amen. amen. Jesus told us, Jesus told us, Matthew 7 and verse 21. Do I got that up there for you guys? I do. All right. Well, good job, Brother McGee. You got that one up there. All right. Matthew chapter number 7 and verse 21. Yeah, that's the one. Through 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, this is Jesus speaking, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? Verse 23. And then will I profess unto them. I never knew. Oh, those are strong words. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So Jesus told them, look at it now, go back to verse verse 22. He told them that someone could prophesy, cast out devils, and do many wonderful works in his name, but still not be known by him. They would use his name, but they did not know the, the person whose name they were using. Someone say amen. As a matter of fact, he said, in that day I'll say, depart from me, I never. That's a strong word, amen, in in the Greek language of the New Testament. It means never at any time. I never at any time knew you. Can I tell you today that, just to put this on a level we know I understand, a person could use my name and whatever amount of authority that may be associated with my name, which let me tell you is not much. (laughs) But a person could use my name whatever amount of authority that was associated with it. And with my name, although they may be using it, they could still use my name and not be known by me. Had it happen in my life, actually. Again, not much authority associated with it, but found out later. Someone used my name uh, for something. It was really to, to get to preach at a place, used my name. But I didn't know them and they didn't know me. From, from Adam's house cat. You know, they used my name, but I didn't know them. I didn't even, I didn't know their name. I didn't know even what family they were part of, anything. So, use of the name, busy about, if you will, the mechanics of ministry things, being dedicated, if you will, to the church. Sometimes, we I mean, have all of those things going, per se, for us, but yet not be faithful to him. The thing is this, you want to know him, and you want him to know you. Hmm? You ever, you, anybody ever ask you, hey, do you know such and such? You ever had someone, hey, do you know old Bill Fly? And you're like, yeah, I know Bill Fly. But if we were to go ask Bill Fly if he knew you, he'd be like, no, I don't know him. Because it's possible for you to know somebody without them knowing you. Do you know the Lord? Yeah, I know the Lord. Go ask the Lord. Well, do you know Paul McGee? Well, it seems like it's been a long time since I heard from him, but you know. I might reckon, you understand what I'm saying? So we want to be faithful to the Lord to the degree that he knows us. That he knows us. And we're not just using his name here and there. Because we know his name and the power that's associated, invested in his name. But we want to be known of the Lord because we have been faithful to The Lord, amen, faithful to the Lord. I don't want to substitute all of my activity with all these things. All right. Using his name here and there. And I don't want to substitute all of that activity with time spent with him. All right. With time spent with him, because the scripture says what? That he is a jealous God. He's a jealous God. None of these things. And I am not trying by no means to uh, demote, church attendance, or anything like that. Again, if you're faithful to him, all those things you'll be faithful to as well. But none of those things, for instance, church attendance cannot be replaced for time with God all by yourself. None of these things can replace or be accounted as being with him, just being with him. Those things are, those things are critical. All those things even mentioned in Matthew, Critical. They should be attempted to, or attended to rather, but just as additions to time that we already have with him, of being faithful to him, not as substitutes. Amen? Well, Lord, you know, we'd have Brother Fred out there. Well, Lord, I mowed the lawn, you know, every Saturday in the the summer. Come on, God. I did it. Well, that doesn't substitute time with the Lord. You hear what I'm telling you? Well, God, I, I was there. I was there every, every, every time they did outreach, knocked on doors. That doesn't substitute time with the Lord. Those things are critical. They are necessary. They should be additions to your time with the Lord, but not try to be substitutes to your time with God. And so Paul, he comes to this because these poor folks have still kept their, observed their days and their months and their years. But all of that they've seen as equal to them just being faithful To the Lord, and they were not. And so Paul starts to second guess some things. Then in verse eleven, he says, "I'm a, I'm afraid of you." It says "of" in our English Bibles, but it's more properly rendered, "I'm afraid for you." I'm afraid for you. Paul was second guessing. He's second guessing this. He was second guessing his investment in them because he had spent time there in Galatia, the church of Galatia. He had been training them. He'd been investing how to live a life for the Lord in them, and now they're turning back to the things that they once embraced, to the things that they once practiced. And Paul was wondering, I say this delicately today, but Paul was wondering, man, have I wasted my time? Have I made this big investment right here into their lives? It's kind of like, you know, in today's world or any, 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 any place of society, you know, you get new employees, and there's a big turnover rate uh, within companies nowadays. But, you know, you bring an employee in, You know, you invest time and money and energy of training. Some you might even send to some type of school to heighten their understanding or education concerning what they're going to be in and to have someone do all that and then just cut you off and leave. You understand how the boss feels there with his hands and you think, man, what a waste. I invested money, you know, invested time. We we got them further further educated and then they're gone. And so Paul's sitting there holding the bag, so to speak, wondering what about all the time that I've invested here and I've bestowed labor upon them and I'm wondering have I done it in vain and I'm afraid for them, not necessarily of them, but I'm afraid for them because of this shift of faithfulness, the shift of faithfulness. It causes Paul, it causes Paul as a leader, to be alarmed for them. Because why? He remembers them when he found them. He remembers them whenever they first came to the church. A Galatian was first renewed, if you will, in a walk of the Spirit, in the walk of the Lord. He remembers all that. He knows what they are turning back to. He knows how that is unprofitable for their lives. He knows the behavior that they're practicing right now isn't very good, and it's not going to have a good positive outcome. Paul sees it as a spiritual leader. They're starting to be unfaithful. You know, he says, that's not good. good. It's like the, the flag, red flag is in the air. He said, this isn't good. Has anybody, you you ever seen any of those reports? I don't know, uh, California, other places. There's other places it can happen. You ever seen a report of a large sinkhole that developed and like cars or stuff that fell down in a huge sinkhole? You know what I'm talking about? It's like all of a sudden it's like, boom, this thing just starts to, maybe very drastically all at once, the ground falls out from under people and sometimes it deepens and it gets worse and worse. You see those sometimes, California, some other states in which they are in. But, but in reality, whenever we see that, we view this big sinkhole and what took place and what it took with it. In reality, what we have witnessed is the result of something unseen. Is the result of something unseen that was many times undetected. That was many times an ongoing problem before it ever was visible. And that is this. Whenever we think, about, we think about erosion, we think about, you know, outside on some hill the grass starting to dissipate and it pulls away some of the ground, you know, on the surface of the earth. But whenever you talk about sinkhole, that's an erosion that occurs subsurface underneath the earth. Your eye can't see. In fact, scientists and engineers have a very creative name uh, for this erosion that takes place under the subsurface. They call it this internal erosion. Isn't that brilliant? Internal erosion. It's happening. You can't see it with your eye. You don't notice it, but it's happening nonetheless. And it's this internal erosion that creates sinkholes. When all the factors are right, land underneath the surface is being eroded away to the place that whatever is above it can't hold it anymore. And boom. It sinks now into the void where the erosion had taken place. And we're like, oh my goodness, that sinkhole just happened today. No, it really didn't just happen. It's visible to us today, but it may have been happening for years. But we're just now aware of it. You know what Paul's saying? He said, whenever I start seeing some faithfulness issues start to happen, he says, the alarm goes up. He says, because I know they're still going to church, and I know they're still faithful to the new moons, and I know they're doing this, this, that, and the other, all that. He said, but that's internal erosion that's taken place he says and if it continues you know what's going to happen so to speak there's going to be it's the bottom's going to fall out of this thing they're going to return to what they once were they're they're going to return to be faithful to things that they once were faithful to he says it's just a matter of time he says so as a leader he says i am on the perch because this worries me this concerns me and i'm wondering if all the investment that's been made it's going to go down with them. There's been some big big buildings that, you know, the corner of a building, big sinkhole, man, whole structures compromised. All of the millions of dollars that's in that thing. Why? Because there was internal erosion taking place that no one saw until it was too late. Paul says this, this worries me, this concerns me. He says, as a leader, amen, whether or not they are going to be able to come out of this, amen, and be well with it. God is interested. Everybody say, God is interested in our faithfulness the bible says in matthew 25 verse 21 and verse 25 as well the lord said unto him this is those that have been given talents and such it's a parable but it's life application well done by thou good and faithful servant everybody say faithful Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Verse 25 is very similar with the other servant. Thank you. The Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. God is interested in our faithfulness. All the way back in the Old Testament, God was interested in faithfulness. Amen. Whenever they had the whole construction of the tabernacle and priests and Levites and sacrifices and offerings, the Bible says all the way back in the Old Testament that God sought for. This is how it says it particularly. God sought for not just a priest, but he sought for a faithful priest. That's the way it's stated. God sought for a faithful priest because God is interested in our faithfulness. As a matter of fact, scripture indicates that those that are with him in the book of Revelation, those that are with him someday are those that are the called, the chosen, and the faithful. Because God is interested in faithfulness. And I tend to believe like like Paul, like Paul was feeling, uh, and, and like the psalmist was feeling in the book of Psalms. And that is this, that in their generation and in our generation, we need to practice and have faithfulness at the heart of who and what we are. This is what the psalmist said in, in Psalms 12 and verse 1. He said, help, Lord. This is the generation of all times, each generation that struggle with this. He said, help, Lord, for the godly man seized, for the faithful fell from among the children of men. He says, what, what are we to do? We need help, God, because it's hard to find a faithful man anymore. It's hard to find a faithful woman anymore. That was the cry of David's day. That was the cry that preceded David's day. That's the cry of our day. It's hard to find a faithful individual. I'm not talking about to all of the dynamics. I'm talking about just being faithful to God. And so I want to be found this morning. I want to be found faithful to God. Because the Bible says the Lord preserveth the faithful. He preserveth the faithful. The Bible says that his eyes are upon. The faithful for the parables purposes. He said those that were faithful enter on into the joy of the Lord. Folks, and that parable is just mind boggling to me because of everything that could be said. It was the mark of faithfulness that was spoken of everything that could be said. He said, he said, thou good and faithful servant entered thou into the joy of the Lord. And so Paul is urging in Galatians and I'm closing. Paul was urging in Galatians. To these people that have been a part of the church of Galatia. He was urging them to get back to being faithful. More importantly, faithful to God. Because they were faithful. And they were going to be faithful to something. That goes without being said. Everybody is faithful to something. Stand with me. Everybody is faithful to something. Paul says though. He says, your, your, your but now moment's not looking too good. So said, every other place in Scripture, he said, we're trying to look at the past and looking at how much better it is. And when we're going to look how much better it is for you, you're returning to the past. He says, your faithfulness, your faithfulness, you need to tighten up the bolt of your faithfulness. He said, I don't want to have, I don't want to have invested, invested in vain. Can we bow our heads all across this place this morning? Hallelujah, Jesus, I come to you today, Lord. I'm saying, God, I want to be Lord Jesus completely, Lord, completely. Lord Jesus, just transparent before you, God, you know, Lord Jesus, every detail of our individual lives. God I pray oh Lord I know God that before I ever came to know you Lord I was faithful to things I was Lord yielding myself Lord Jesus to things help me God now that I've come to know you to be faithful to you and yield myself to you help me God not to turn back to the beggarly and the weak elements of the world help me Lord Jesus I pray God to stay tethered Lord God to the unfathomable riches of the Lord to stay tethered Lord Jesus to the power and the unction Lord that found in your spirit and your Lord Jesus glory I pray oh Lord Jesus it's not Lord of whether or not if I can be faithful it's about Lord Jesus a desire Lord a gumption so to speak Lord God a pull Lord to walk forward in the ways of God I pray Jesus today God and you'll be mindful of us God you'll preserve us Lord in our faithfulness you'll take care of us Lord in our faithfulness Lord your compassion will be drawn Lord Jesus to faithful people I pray oh God I want to walk in that today. I don't want to get caught up in just the dynamics and all of the mechanics, Lord, of church life and be faithful, Lord God, to this, that, and the other and leave out the primary thing that is you. Lord, do this in your name and that in your name, but never cultivate a relationship with the one whose name I am using. I pray, oh God, today, Lord, let my heart, God, beat after you. God, to to know you and to be known of you in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah in the church say amen 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 God bless you this morning hallelujah you're dismissed in Jesus name churches tonight at 6 amen we'll see if any of these folks get back tonight amen if not we shall march on God bless you in Jesus name thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter with the username FACMC Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you and have a blessed day.